Welcome to the CEO.Digital Show. My name's Craig McCartney. And I'm Darcy Thompson-Fields. And this is an open exploration of technologies and trends straight from the C-suite. You'll hear insights that will help you better deliver results for your company and its stakeholders now and in the future. You can find out more and stay up to date at CEO.Digital. Craig, we are lucky enough to have our second Formula One guest this week, Michael Taylor from Mercedes. How did you find the interview? Yeah, we're starting a bit of a trend. I think we should try and continue this, definitely. I've certainly (laughs) enjoyed speaking uh, to these individuals. Michael was a really interesting, you know, we talk about technology, you talk about how exciting technology is, but Michael has a slightly different approach, doesn't he? He's very pragmatic. He's looking at the processes, the people, and delivering excellence at all times. And I guess, you know, working for Mercedes, you, you do really have to deliver at your best all the time. What about you? No, absolutely. I also do like the fact that he's come into this new role, this unique role of bringing together both the IT and digital transformation departments. And he's done that in a very challenging time with COVID. So it was really interesting hearing about how he prioritizes amongst those two roles kind of, and I think his pragmatic approach of balancing between the exciting technology and then getting those like people and cultural processes right has been integral. What are we waiting for, Darcy? Let's listen to this episode. Let's do it. Our guest this week is Michael Taylor, IT Director at Mercedes-AMG Petronas Formula One team. Michael is a multidisciplined IT leader with a history of roles spanning data centres, network infrastructure, user experience and business application. He was appointed the first ever IT Director of Mercedes-AMG Petronas Formula One team in 2020 and is overseeing an impressive overhaul of its IT functions during the most challenging conditions the industry has ever faced. Welcome to the show, Michael. Great to have you here. Thanks very much, Craig and Darcy too. It's an absolute pleasure. Michael, I'm very excited to learn more about you. I do follow Formula One, so I was very much looking forward to this discussion. So let's take it straight from the top. Let's look at your career, your background. How did you get started in IT and how did you get to be an IT director at Mercedes? Okay, my IT journey started back in the 90s. I must admit, as I was kind of coming to the end of my time at school, I wasn't really sure on the career path that I wanted to follow. But around that time, we were introduced to the world of IT and technology, and I found it relatively easy. So I thought that was probably a sensible sensible step to take. I ended up heading off to college for a couple of years and studying IT. And through that process, I was very fortunate to land a work experience role where I had to spend a day a week within an IT department. And I ended up at my local borough council. Fast forward six months or so, and and they actually offered me um, short-term employment at the end of my uh, college course in the year I was going to take in between going to university. And I never quite made it to university. So yeah, I started out in my local borough council spent a number of years there working through multiple different roles. was very fortunate to come across a number of really great and interesting people who I think have really shaped my IT career. When I look back now, I look back really fondly on, on those, those early days, those primitive days of learning around IT. I was fresh-faced into the industry, no real clue, but willing to work hard and willing to give everything a try and, uh, and learn. And I look back very uh, fondly on those times. That's great. And 
Let's talk about your role at Mercedes, the, the technology role and being the IT director there. How has the team changed and what does your role as IT director cover? And then with that change, how has that role evolved? Okay, yeah. So um, in terms of my path to Mercedes, actually an interesting one. So after seven years or so at the uh, local borough council, I was fortunate to land the opportunity, uh, one of our competitors at Renault Formula One team. And I joined the team pretty much through luck. Certainly uh, it was who you know rather than what you know at the time. I was fortunate to be working with a third party who was also consulting at the Renault team at that time. And he just announced one day that he put me forward for a role there. So I was quite surprised. It was quite a big step from uh, local borough council into the world of Formula One. I spent 13 amazing years in Endstone working across multiple different disciplines of the Formula One team. I was very lucky to, to travel with the team for a number of years and then later held roles looking after network infrastructure and they actually introduced me into the world of IT management. And I think I've, I've never really looked back. Fast forward to 2015 and I actually uh, I took the plunge to come across to Mercedes. It was a fantastic opportunity for me to lead the business applications team and I felt it was a good time to make that step after 13 long years in Endstone. So yeah, I ended up here at Mercedes in 2015 leading the business applications team as I mentioned. It's a bit of a step removal. My background's always been very much infrastructure and uh, it was actually quite enjoyable. I, I looked after a group that were responsible for the major applications that run this organization and it gave me a very good insight into I would say the true user experience side of the world of IT. So it's very much around applications and data. There's some application development involved in there but also lots of data uh, analytics. I spent just under two years in that role and then I was asked to join a, a new department where I think it was a new function that was created focused on digital engineering transformation and it was very specific at the time. We were looking at how we can use digital technology, the combination of people, process and technology to really develop the engineering tool set of the future and the data analytics platform of the future that could really enable the team. I spent three years in that role before early 2020, being asked to bring those two groups together, or sorry, that group and, and the IT group together and form just a single department. I think, looking back, the mix of that kind of higher-end data and application kind of technology-focused role, there's always an element of key underpinning from IT, and it was probably difficult for the two groups to work really effectively together for both to be successful each of the individual parts needed to be extremely successful too. So I think it, it probably made sense to actually bring those two groups together. That's how I find myself in the role that I'm, I'm in today. It's quite an interesting shape and journey that I've taken. Great time to be working at Mercedes as well and finally got some challenge from your, your biggest competitors. So it must be interesting, interesting time for you guys there. Yeah, I mean, we've had a fantastic run double world champions for the last seven seasons an amazing achievement and, and we've been pushed really hard throughout that time by different competitors but certainly Red Bull are extremely fierce this season 2021 they've, they've really picked up their pace and the challenge it's what we relish as a team it's a great opportunity for us to be able to prove ourselves as the team that we believe we are and face the challenge head on so uh, yeah it's an interesting season ahead definitely 
going back to the kind of interesting arc of your career, I mean, it is certainly a contrast, Borough Council, to a Formula One team. What are the kind of key transferable skills you found between these two very different industries? Are there any lessons you were able to carry over? Yeah, I, I think definitely, you know, life is about constant learning and there's always opportunities to learn, even when they're not the most obvious to you. I think two of the biggest artefacts of benefit to me for my time early on in, in local government was certainly around best value, taxpayers, public money. You had to be very frugal with your investments and make sure that the money that was being spent went a long way, delivering kind of real tangible business value. It was interesting. Looking back, I think I've probably learned more about the process now, looking back than when living it day in, day out at the time. But that coupled with this real strong focus on customer service, they, both of those things, I think, helped me in really good stead for, for my future career and where I am today. I think they're probably the two, the two biggest learnings, definitely, that are most memorable to me. But certainly there is opportunity, constant opportunity to learn every day across all of the different roles and the different organisations that I've worked in. And throughout your career, you know, what has been what you consider to be your greatest accomplishment? I think that's a really tough question, to be honest. I'm really proud to be able to say this is my 20th season in Formula One. Passed me back in the, the late 90s, early 2000s with my IT career, take me to the pinnacle of motorsport and Formula One. I'd probably laugh, to be honest. So I think that's certainly a personal accomplishment. There's been many team-based accomplishments, world championships in the early days in Renault in 2005, 2006. They were really very special. The contribution of individuals, but also the IT department to that overall team success has always been vitally important. And latterly, obviously, the ongoing success with Mercedes, every member, every team member plays their part. We have some amazing leadership here and the culture and the, the kind of values that we follow I think have been really well honed and really focused on each individual and how we work collectively together as a team to then deliver success so I think you know without necessarily calling out any particular technology successes there's been many along the way I think that the accomplishment of 20 seasons in Formula 1 and multiple world championships as, as a member of such a high performing team I think is certainly my personal accomplishments. This show, we're going to get into a few more questions around technology, around F1. But just looking at what you're working on right now, is your role around supporting the team for the, the current setup? And, and what's, how much of your role do you balance between the setup now versus what you are planning to do, say, for next season? Have you broached that, Jeff? Is that in your plan? Sure, absolutely. That's a really great question. So my responsibility extends end-to-end -end IT across uh, both factory and trackside environments from a Formula 1 team specific. But in the last 12, 18 months or so, the team has actually evolved and diversified and we actually have the concept of an applied science business that sits within our organisation as well. And I'm also responsible for providing IT services into that group. So my remit is everything end-to-end -end IT from data centres the infrastructure within those data centers, wide area network connections, all the way through to the major applications that continue to run the business and the data and the platforms that have underpinned that. I'm responsible for the overall IT strategy and contributing to uh, underpinning the team's business objectives and business goals. So I have to kind of balance the operational need of IT 
with the forward-looking kind of strategic plan, technology advancement, technology development, how that fits in with the wider team's aspirations, coupled with the additional challenge of the introduction of the financial regulations, which came in this year. IT is now front and centre in the world of F1 included costs. So we've had some additional complexity now around our IT service provision and where we can hopefully eke out a little more value and a little more performance efficiency for the wider group from a technology perspective. So it's all coming together nicely and offering a great opportunity that we as an IT department, I think is very similar to any IT department up and down the country and across the globe, really want to become at the heart of any organisation and a real enabler to uh, you know, business benefit, business value and, and, and overall success and delivery. And that's certainly uh, one of the many strands of our future looking kind of journey and uh, and strategy. Is there any sort of uh, technologies that are really exciting you right now? I'm a strange IT leader where I'm less excited by technology. I always say the technology is the easy part. To be honest, I'm, I'm more excited by people and process and the ability to deliver organizational operational excellence. There are, there are many technologies out there. When I look back at the start of my career to where we are today, when I look back at the start of my Formula One career and see the evolution of the cars and just the technology associated with the cars, IT has played a major part in pretty much every advancement going from material technology to advanced manufacturing techniques to the testing and development that teams perform these days. I think Formula One's an interesting sport where it's very heavily regulated. So a lot of the nanotechnology that lots of organizations are talking about today, the future of nano-based technologies, that's all restricted or limited use or even banned in the world of F1. So it's an area where we can't delve too deeply. But I think, yeah, there's many interesting technology advancements. A lot of them are happening now out in the cloud with the major vendors and Microsoft this week announced their cloud desktop solution, which is certainly relevant for us in the in the world that we live in now today, post pandemic. So yeah, as I mentioned, the, the technology side is great, but it's the simple part of the role. I think the people and process is the biggest value items and where IT really in the future can make the biggest change. Mm. I think you're totally right there, but it would be great to hear about, you know, the unique IT environment that you have at Mercedes F1 and going beyond the technology, understanding how you've implemented that, how you make it work with the people and processes to ensure success. So our environment historically has been predominantly built around providing the IT services for a Formula One team, for a race team. And you know, our landscape, as we talk about, has always been 100% F1 centric. So it's been very much around supporting the business, the business needs, the major applications, the application development and the kind of data platform that goes with an organization that generates huge amounts of data, not just at the track side, but in our everyday operations. We have a little bit of everything from an IT challenge perspective. We, we're a manufacturing organization. We go out and subcontract lots of work. We obviously develop and evolve in-house. We design things. We prototype stuff. We test it to destruction pretty much. And then we actually produce it and race it as well. So we're challenged in, in many, many different different ways. I think our environment is probably unique in, in the fact that Formula One is very much a deadline-driven sport. And we have to make sure that things just work. So the trackside environment is probably the unique part of 
of our environment or our IT provision here, we have to be able to provide services in 23 remote locations around the world that set up really very quickly and very easily in the space of a couple of days and able to pack down in less than 12 hours at the end of an event and then ship off to the next location around the world. So lots of effort goes into the optimization of the kind of setup and build of that environment. We do carry a mobile trackside infrastructure. We have to be able to operate autonomously at the track for the safety of the car and the drivers and everyone involved in the sport. It just simply has to work. So I think the uniqueness of that environment is definitely the real-time nature of what we do, the deadline-driven orientation of the sport and just that ability that we have to have those safety systems in place to be able to run and operate. Totally. And can you delve a bit deeper into the kind of technology supporting that remote deployment and remote upgrades? I mean, you know, what are the roles that, you know, cloud native architecture and data analytics are playing in driving this transformation? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So in terms of our cloud journey, we're probably a little bit late in comparison to most other organisations. There's a very kind of inquisitive and secretive nature of the world of Formula One where it's vitally important to protect intellectual property. But it's also worth highlighting protecting our uh, capability around competitive advantage. We like to have things that derive a competitive advantage for the team close by. So we're unique in the fact that we recently built a second data center on site here, whereas most other organizations are consolidating down or making good use of cloud-based services. We are actually expanding our on-site provision or on-premise provision to meet those unique challenges of Formula One and to derive those competitive advantages. But we do use cloud where appropriate. So things like email is a great example. Everyone needs email, everyone does email, but it doesn't make the car go any faster. There's no point me having a group of people here spending time and effort on an email platform, an email system that really adds no competitive advantage. And Microsoft do it on a, on a grand scale and do it really, really well, much better than we'll ever be able to do it. A very cost-effective point. So things like that we have adopted or made cloud adoption. And, and it's other kind of ancillary areas in the organization, such as our human capital management system. It's come down the workday route because it makes absolute sense it's simple and there's other health and safety systems and a number of other applications that whilst complement the organization and are of benefit to the services that we provide they're not strictly focused on competitive advantage piece the on-prem stuff is that mainly because of a latency thing or is it mainly security or what is the justification it's a combination of both of those craig but also the way the regulations are written. So on premise, we have our, our high performance computing capability. We're heavily regulated there. So to maximize the benefit of the regulations, it, it makes much more sense to do that on premise rather than, than in the cloud. Some of the financial regulations uh, and the way that they're written now are leading us to making decisions that in other organizations wouldn't be deemed to be or seen to be as normal. So the world of IT is moving very much or has been moving for a number of years to that kind of pay-as-you-consume model, OPEX-type consumption. That's where we're most challenged going forward in the new world of financial regulations and cost caps. So there's further opportunity to make capital-type investments, which then makes sense to have on-premise infrastructure. This is a, just a, a curveball question, just while I'm talking, thinking of latency. Is 5G going to change the setup, you know, like now or in, in a couple of years' time, or is that sort of technology not really going to impact what you guys get up to? I think all, all major technology advancements in that space do impact us 
at some point in time, whether it will be later on just through a kind of consumption-based model, kind of a consumer. I remember distinctly the move from 3G to 4G where all of a sudden overnight, if you didn't have 4G on your mobile phone at the trackside and, and this lightning download performance, there was a big problem. What's wrong with my, my, my mobile phone? So it normally affects us in that way. I think in terms of the unique services that we provide, there's not been a huge amount invested at this stage in investigating the, the merits and the benefits of 5G for trackside type communication. Again, back to that, we need to be able to provide robust and reliable services that absolutely work. I think if we go down that route of a relatively immature technology, we always run the risk of relying on a third party or someone else. And you know, we cannot guarantee the service levels that are required, but we will certainly adopt 5G being a great example, we'll adopt it where it makes sense to this organisation, where it brings benefit. Yeah, so I just was looking for clarification on that. And then let's talk again, it's just about the focus is technology, isn't it? So the things that you guys are working on, the, the technology advancement, the innovations, does that get fed down into Mercedes as a automotive brand? Or is that does it really just stay within the, the F1 team? There's elements of both. I think there's been, in the last decade, there's certainly been lots of crossover between technology advancements in the world of Formula One that then make their way into the consumer market through road cars. I think with the applied science division that we now have operating within the organization, the ability to take some of our engineering skills and our data and technology related skills out to other customers, there's certainly going to be an impact there where lessons and technologies advancements that we've learned in the world of Formula One become a little more mainstream in, in other projects. It's no coincidence we worked with Ineos on the America's Cup 36 challenge recently, earlier on this year. Composite carbon fibre materials, uh, effectively trying to sail about very similar challenges to the world of Formula One and aerodynamics. So there's lots of crossover in our kind of engineering and expertise. And I think we'll probably see more of that as the applied science division grows. Perfect. Also, we can't have a conversation without kind of touching on how the coronavirus pandemic has changed work for everyone. And Formula One is such a specialist industry. So what challenges did your teams face because of this, the, you know, the effect on having to distribute your workforces and how did you overcome them from an IT perspective? Well, I actually took on the role approximately 10 days before the country was moved into lockdown status. And I think um, up until that point, uh, the most concurrent or the highest number of concurrent VPN users we had was about 70. Bearing in mind, we're a workforce of about 1,000 people here in Brackley. So it was an interesting challenge for us, obviously aware of what was going on around the world and likely to impact us. We focused very quickly on trying to enable a, an army of factory-based workers to enable the, the ability to work as effectively as possible from home. It's a superhuman effort from the, the IT department over the course of a couple of days to put technologies in place to enable that remote working capability. I think the first day of the official lockdown, we had over 650 concurrent VPN connections into site. Now, that was the first stage of the enablement. The second one was then looking at our applications and our services and our data models and, and how we could potentially change the service provision to be more focused on remote users rather than the traditional on-premise users that we'd had up until that 
point. Now, that was quite a big challenge for us, to be honest, and this is where the beauty of our relationships and partnerships that we have in place with a number of technology vendors really came to the fore. We've been working with Pure Storage for a number of years. We've been a customer of Pure for, for many, many years. And we have a partnership, a very strong partnership in place. And actually, we've, we were able to learn a number of lessons from that organization in terms of how they, they set themselves up in a way that they were very effective during the pandemic, during difficult periods because of the processes they had in place and the, the way that they'd built their hardware and, and their software and designed it. The remote, the remote installation services was a great example of what we were then trying to work towards and kind of adhere to. So we had some great references from Pure about how to do things in this new kind of world. We were fortunate in being able to bring in a new partner earlier on this year, TeamViewer, who who also played a significant part in providing remote hands-off support type services to some of the users who are maybe struggling to connect from home. I think Really, though, it was just about the adaptability of both the IT workforce, but also the wider workforce. You know, they had to bring lots of security advancements and improvements in very, very quickly. We enabled effectively a bring-your-own-device type setup. Worked on multi-factor authentication. I think we measured it just under two weeks to deploy to the whole of the factory, a project that would normally, in normal circumstances, take probably upwards of three months. And it was just really about how flexible everyone was and how understanding of the situation, how they needed to change the way they work and be adaptable and, and you know, really embrace things to be able to continue to function. And how did you approach that massive shift in operations from a cultural as well as a technical perspective? It was really very much focused around communication. In fact, our communication we had every morning and every evening, so the start and the end of every day, we had an IT all hands that was, was really just focused on, and these are the immediate priorities. This is what we need to focus on. It was very much short-term planning. This is the next kind of 6, 12, 18, 24 hours. We'll worry about what goes on beyond that point once we've achieved the next set of objectives. And actually, it was interesting. It worked really, really well. The organization is very reactive anyway. The nature of our sport and what we do. We saw an incident, obviously, this weekend at the British Grand Prix, which means that a factory has to be able to adapt to those types of changes and very quickly manufacture and bring new parts to the next race less than two weeks away. And so we are very good, I would say, in a crisis, which isn't always the best example, but having that ability to be reactive and understand what the priorities are and be very clear and concise in terms of addressing them, I think, was certainly of a benefit to us. And how do you think this will affect the future of not just Mercedes, but the industry? Obviously, in other industries, we talk about like a huge cultural shift, right? Between distributed workforces, remote working, more flexibility. But your industry has its own unique challenges that might require people to be on site. Do you think Mercedes will be taking a more kind of hybrid model to working in future? Yeah, I think it's really important to recognise there is still a factory element to us here, to our provision. We we need to have people physically on site to be effective. We have people who need to be at machines and controlling you know, large manufacturing machines, setting manufacturing machines that need to be at their workbench. A lot of what we make is, is handmade that goes onto the car. So there's still very much a, a need to have people here and working in that way. But I think also the services area and the engineering spaces, uh, we've certainly seen a bit more of a move to a hybrid kind of working model where it's balancing 
time together in the factory to work effectively and to collaborate you know, in people and in team working time, but then also have the ability to spend a day or two at home really getting head down and focused, trying to get into flow and, and not being disturbed and being able to deliver what's required. So I, I think we'll definitely continue, certainly from an IT perspective, we'll continue along that hybrid model where I think the best is the balance of both worlds. And what kind of technologies have been instrumental in enabling that remote work, Michael? So, uh, you know, the obvious technologies around the VPN services and cloud applications, SaaS-based platforms, but also cloud PC. As I mentioned earlier on, Microsoft has recently announced the cloud desktop, which is of, of significant interest to us. We have a number of users who who work remotely from home and they have a, a device that they use as a jump machine that, that then controls some form of workstation or high-performance workstation within the factory environment. I think if we're able to natively move that to the cloud and then just consume it from whichever location we are, I think that, that will be a really interesting step forward for us. And, and I'm sure that will be very similar for many other organizations. Thank you. I do ask the question because sometimes it's just quite reassuring to know that no matter you know what kind of business you are, no matter the size, no matter what how advanced you are, we, we all default to needing very similar setups, applications, and softwares. It's, so you make me feel good about our small little agency comparing it to Mercedes. So thank you very much. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about, you mentioned in the earlier conversation about the financial regulations, these new financial regulations that you're having to navigate. I don't know much about it. So just for my benefit, the listeners' benefit, you know, how have these new regulations affected you and your teams? And how are you navigating them using technology? Okay, so the financial regulations were introduced at the start of this season, 2021, focused on effectively reducing the cost of the participation or participating within the sport. Over the last few years, the cost base has grown significantly and I think some of the the slightly smaller teams have been challenged or handicapped in terms of their development cycles and development process and the cost cap regulation was introduced to try and level the playing field between the major manufacturers and, and, and the smaller private teams. The challenges around the financial regulations are are extreme. They're not just a black and white story, unfortunately. There's included costs that we, we have to focus on and that included cost is what it makes up to go racing effectively, to design, to develop, to manufacture, to build and to race the cars. And then there's a bunch of exclusions that sit around the outside, things like marketing and finance and legal costs, human resource type costs that add to the complexity. But then we have the kind of diversification of the organization where we have our own customers, we have our applied science business and they sit outside of or in the world of what we call non-F1. So from an IT perspective, all of the costs focused around the racing side from an IT are, are included, both the human cost, but also the physical hardware technology and software costs. The focus really for us has been reviewing everything that we provide our, our complete service provision from both a, a top-down and a bottom-up basis, find ways to bring cost optimization, cost efficiencies, ensuring though that we're not compromising or placing the capability of the organization or any development at risk, but seeing if there's ways that we can be more effective with our limited spend 
we have a budget cap now and the, you know, the cost cap has introduced the budget cap and limitations on what we can spend. So it's really been a great process for me, selfishly, relatively new into the role to get it a fantastic understanding and grasp of exactly where we are and what our IT service provision costs to the organization. But equally, we've looked at then opportunities of how we can diversify further. And we've been looking at multi-tenancy type models. So actually becoming, in effect, a relatively small service provider to customers that work either with the applied science division or have come into the team under the non-F1 category and, and need to consume IT services. So it's been a brilliant opportunity to really review our IT service provision, but also modernize it and, and shape it to be more customer centric. Yeah, just wanted to move on to your leadership, Michael. I mean, you touched earlier on the fact that, you know, your new role, which you took on at a very challenging time, oversees both the kind of IT and digital transformation departments. What are the prominent challenges that come with, you know, overseeing and bringing together two big departments? What advice can you offer our listeners in consolidating those that work in very different ways with different priorities to create new value for your business? The biggest challenge that I've identified so far is that everyone's really keen to work on what's deemed to be the exciting projects. And a lot of the exciting projects fall under the banner of digital transformation. It's seen very much about we want to enable the business, we want to bring new software or new applications or new, new methods, new ways of working. I think one of the biggest challenges is trying to balance that excitement with the importance of the operational elements of IT. So that's probably the first challenge I think we've really faced. I know in terms of the advice that I can give, I think that defining the vision is always a good starting point. And that vision needs to be aspirational. It needs to be out of reach. If you can achieve your vision in a relatively short space of time, it's not, not stretching enough. So I think trying to bring everyone together under a united view and vision is always a good starting point. It's then about creating and setting the intent and certainly including the IT department in the intent setting has been a really successful aspect, I think, of of shaping what the future looks like, bringing the two groups together. Really then the focus is around identifying where to break down barriers, to remove silos, promoting kind of cross-functional working. So when IT and DT were brought together, we had more than 12 verticals. It was really impossible to get people working effectively together. There was just too much hierarchical noise and difficulty. So it was really about breaking down those barriers, identifying where the silos were and removing them. We're down to five verticals now and really promoting kind of cross-functional work in virtual teams is another mechanism. We're a relatively lean IT department. There's only 50 heads in here supporting a user base of over a thousand and a diverse array of technology. So it's also a little bit of a challenge around making sure that you're working on the right thing. So we've spent a lot of time over the last six to eight months really focusing on how we're able to best serve the constant demands that come from the organization. And it's very much about balancing the transformational side with the operational aspects and how we improve the operational capability of IT. So I think we used to talk about IT transformation and that seemed to disappear with digitization and then formally digital transformation. I think there's still space for both of those things. Certainly the way that we provide services to the organization in an IT transformation capacity is, is very interesting to me and driving down the cost of IT and reducing the run overhead of IT is certainly a, a challenge that we face. 
coupled that then with really identifying what the organization needs and I think transformation at times can be slightly overhyped. There's lots of organizations talk about their digital transformation journey and what they're doing. I think a lot of focus is lost then on kind of operational excellence. And I actually believe very strongly in operational excellence. We talk about it in the sporting arena, marginal gains, those types of things. Small incremental improvements will bring longer lasting benefit to an organization like this. You talk about excellence, you talk about leaders, and you're working with Lewis Hamilton, who is the lead driver for you guys. And you got Toto Wolf, you know, again, a, a big personality, obviously a very good leader as well. How much does your path cross with them? And what's it like working in a team, you know, led by such strong personalities? In terms of, of our paths crossing, they cross naturally when they need to. And more often than not, you, when you hear from Toto. There's generally something wrong if it's direct, indirectly, and then it's pretty good. But Toto is an unbelievable leader. He's, I wouldn't say single-handedly, but he certainly picked this team up by the scruff of his neck when he joined in 2013 and has really pushed it forward and turned it into the multiple world champion winning outfit that it is today. It's, it's impossible spending time in his presence working within his organization. It's impossible not to be inspired. Equally, Lewis absolutely outstanding driver but also an outstanding human being the work he's done over the last 18 months driving a, a change in diversity and inclusion within the sport is absolutely fantastic and again inspiring for everyone involved within the team and hopefully everyone who is a fan of the sport and follows the sport on television as well so yeah they're two huge characters two huge personalities it's impossible not to be inspired by them to be honest very interesting and i like you say um you know the only time really is if when there's a problem and you're like, uh-oh, uh, boss wants to see me. But yeah, thank you for that. It's just, you know, from an outsider's perspective, working with, like you say, a, a team that just dominated the F1 world for so long. And there's a reason for that. So yeah, a very interesting story, Michael. Thank you. Right. I better cut Craig off, Michael, because if I don't, I think he could interview you all afternoon. But it's been such a pleasure talking to you. But before we close off this interview, we'd love to go through our speed round, which are some sort of quick fire, slightly more lighthearted questions where we get to know the human side of you a little bit more. So I'd love to start off by asking you, Versus how you describe what you do, what does your family think you do for work? What does your boss think you do? And what do your friends think you do? Oh, gosh, that's a brilliant question. My son is 11 years old and a massive Formula One fan. I think he probably thinks I directly uh, influence the performance of the car <laughs> on a day-to-day -day basis. My wider family, what do they think I do? I'm not sure. I think they probably think I spend lots of time at work, many long hours away, working possibly too hard in their eyes. What does my boss think I do? Well, hopefully he thinks I'm doing a good job first and foremost. That's the most important thing. But yeah, I think he, he believes I'm very much focused on the, the people side of the IT department and the, the strategy and shaping the future side, you know, making sure that there's an organizational structure in place that can effectively run IT for the team but there's also the plan and the scope and the journey and the development of a, of a strategy to take us forward and do you travel with the team when you're going to the various races michael not too often to be honest and obviously with the challenges of the pandemic and associated travel there's been some heavy restrictions in place i have been fortunate i've been to a couple of events this year but it's supporting from a partner perspective so rather than being hands-on 
within the paddock it's actually spending time with our fantastic sponsors and and guests and sharing some of the technology stories and technology challenges that we face historically back in the early days i traveled week in week out in my early career with the team and, and, and built a great understanding of the pressures and the complexities and the challenges of the trackside environment favorite gp or favorite track even i think hungary would probably be the favorite gp is the location of first ever win in the sport right are you a fan of f1 in general were you before you started working for these teams <laughs> okay so i probably wasn't such a fan before i began i was interested by the world of formula one but i'm not sure i was uh, a huge fan but i think 20 seasons in the sport you have to be a fan to last this long to be honest it takes a bit in terms of time and pressures and challenges and impact on family life and all of those things but it is hugely rewarding as well so yeah undoubtedly to last this long you have to be a fan talking outside of work and outside of f1 what's your guilty technology pleasure oh gosh probably playing xbox with my son nice any games in particular well i can only play one game to be honest that's fifa <laughs> i'm not very good at that either, to be honest. he always beats me Oh, nice. Fair enough. And uh, you mentioned you weren't necessarily a huge fan of F1 before you got into it. And you obviously kind of started your IT journey when you were quite young out of school. But what did you dream of being when you when you were growing up as a child? I think initially probably a professional footballer and then just any form of professional sports person. So I didn't quite make it, but I think I found uh, an industry and a role that's enabled me to do something come relatively good at but also uh, maintain the kind of sporting element so yeah I've, I've probably locked in to be honest fantastic yeah it's been absolutely a pleasure speaking with you michael before we close off are there any sort of top issues within your role within f1 that are top of mind that you didn't get to talk about today to be honest as you say where do we draw the line we could probably go on talking for the, the next hour to be honest no i think the biggest challenge for formula one going forward is, is the big change in regulation that's coming next year the new car basis that arrives and that coupled with the financial regulations the challenge associated with the cost cap but combined then with the, the ongoing kind of covid pandemic as an extra complexity and challenge certainly to us here and i have no doubt that impacts all of the other teams up and down the grid too but no, they're not unique challenges and it's a good opportunity to work towards proving that we are that super successful and, and great team that we, we like to believe that we are. Well, thank you so much again for joining us, Michael. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been a, an absolute pleasure. Oh, likewise, thank you. I can't believe the time's flown by already. <laughs> Thanks for the opportunity. It's been, yeah, a really enjoyable conversation. Just hope I don't catch you in a pub one day because... Got lots more questions and I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, it's been it's been really, really fun. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you're a busy man, so thank you. Always. No My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners for joining us once again. If you enjoyed Michael's episode, please do subscribe to the podcast. Maybe even consider giving us a rating. You can also visit the ceo.digital site for plenty more content on similar transformation stories. Michael mentioned Pure Storage earlier. We'll also be running some fantastic focus boardrooms for IT leaders over the coming months. So please do join us for those. Thank you.